Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. I hear Kev. Yes, he. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> Angela Lansbury. Come on. What do you mean, come on? Just answer the question. Are you, what? Are you Angela saying... Lansbury. Yeah, would... No. Okay. Murder, she wrote, though. Interesting. Yeah, I would definitely watch that one. I don't actually understand Murder, She Wrote. I don't know what sort of universe it's meant to be set in. Because you have to consider, at the beginning of it, she's sitting yeah. there smiling with her typewriter, mm-hmm. and all of the credits roll by. The guy from Happy Days is in it. There's a guest star of the week who's in yeah. it as well. And then she's smiling, she's got a typewriter and whatever. Yeah. So is Murder, She Wrote a programme about a woman who's writing about her adventures, which we're seeing on screen, or is she just really unlucky, and everywhere she goes, people just drop dead? Because this is a worry to me. And why has she never been investigated? Yeah, and why doesn't she just escape on that bed with the knob on the end and just leg it from all the criminals? It was about Nazis, that film, wasn't it? It was a bit, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it's a strange film. Bobbing along. <laughs> is that the same film? I don't know. Yes. Who, there was, who was the... Tomlinson? British actor? Is that the guy's name with the moustache? What, the guy from the royal family? I don't think he was in it. No, not him. That would be great, wouldn't it? All right, there, Ange. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, love? I've never seen it. I don't think. You've I'm, never seen Bed Knobs and Brooms. I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen it. Robin Hood? I've seen well, which version? Costner? Costner was Robin Disney, Hood. Disney, you ass why? With an American. Well, hang on, that's a bit unkind. There have been lots of versions of Robin Hood. Yeah, but there's just... only one Robin Hood, isn't there? What, the fuck? You'll be mentioning Jason Connery next. Well, he was, of course, the second Robin. Michael Prade. Yeah, who went off to the States to do Dynasty. Did he? Is yeah. that what happened to him? He went off to the States to be a big star, which didn't work out. So they but. killed him off, and then they brought in Jason Connery, who has to be said, as an actor, maybe... Yeah, but let's be fair, the old man wasn't exactly the best. He didn't have he had to be. Some, he had it. He had charisma. He had, he had charisma. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I, a few, there's a few like that. But back to Angela Lansbury, it does concern me that Murder, She Wrote is either a fictional universe... I mean, I know it's all fictional, but I don't really understand the premise. She Mary Poppins? No, that was Julie Andrews. Of course it was. So, Julie Andrews. <laughs> Whoa. No! Okay. Ian Collins wants a word. So, here we go. Welcome, uh, everybody, to Wants a Word. Very, very excited because we're recording this podcast sitting down. The last episode we recorded standing up. Well, that had to do with the fact that we were using a, a slightly different studio and... They only had microphones where you oh. could stand up. I thought it was a hemorrhoid issue. It was that as well, in fairness. <laughs> but we, we used to do, um, when we did uh, traditional broadcast, that's traditional broadcast yes. together. Most of the time you insisted on standing up. I used to like standing up. Do you still stand up now? No. Why? Don't know. It's designed differently. Is there not, uh, like, because at Radio 1, they have, or they used to have, oh, those, still going. those desks where you press a button... And if you wanted to do the show standing up, it rises oh, up to the desk meet you. rises up, yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Is the, no, the problem right. is the microphones are in a set position. So if you stood up, you'd have to bend down to talk. So it wouldn't work for us. So you'd be like standing up like that. Right. And you'd have to go... 
and bend down to the mic. Don't you have a helper? Don't you have someone who could actually <laughs> hold... Fluffer. Like a... Like, well, I don't know. Commercial radio's changed a lot. <laughs> but uh, don't they have, like, a sort of equivalent of a boom mic so you could have a person who would stand there and just follow you around with it so you could even go for a walk around That's the room? That's how it should be, in a sort of Kyle fashion, that somebody just follows your every move. Kyle fashion. <laughs> Took me a second there. <laughs> So what have we got, Kev? Have you got some questions? Uh, we do have questions okay. and feedback via social media Good. and so on. It's been very busy. Lots of people were very happy yeah. uh, to find that Once a Word was back. Yes. From Clyde, from the Ant Hill Mob. Oh, okay. Clyde says, see, now I have a problem with those people who, when out dining, and I can see you're going to have an opinion on this already, mm. insist on eating a burger with a knife and fork. <laughs> Clearly... The bread roll means said burger is designed for eating via the traditional hand method. Well, sort of. Sort of. Because if you think about it, there is a school of thought that my other half's dad, so sort of the father-in-law, right. has a very strong view about uh, takeaway emporiums that essentially taught us the art of eating with our hands rather than a knife and fork. So all of that whole takeaway thing, not only have we got the kind of obesity issue, the sugar issue, the salt issue, we've got, as far as he's concerned, the etiquette issue, that it started a nation eating with their hands, and in some cases their feet. Right. Well, here's the thing. If you take your hamburger, as yes. it was, or your beef not burger... a hamburger, it's a hamburger. No, your hamburger, <laughs> which was, I believe, invented... The reason it's called a hamburger is it was uh, called that at the World Fair or something because it was meant to come from Hamburg, even though it didn't. Is that right? I would Google okay. it right now, but I can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. That was designed based on the sandwich, which was invented, as you know, by the Earl of Sandwich, who wanted something he could eat with his hands. Therefore, if you look at the history of your humble burger, it's clearly intended to be eaten with your hands. Yeah, but what it's done, it's, had a, it's had a knock-on effect so that filthy old quack, quack, <laughs> just sit there... Uh, eating everything now with their hands. You know, it's not. Un you know, when you go into a restaurant and there's always some ass clown. The one that drives me mad are the people who are trying to eat everything just with the fork and no not using a knife at all. Yeah. And this may extend to entire roast dinners. Of course, completely impractical to attempt to eat a roast without employing the use of a knife at some point. Right. So You'll have people trying to cut up chicken and bits of meat and potatoes with the edge of their fork. Frankly, they should be shot dead <laughs> by the waiting staff who should come along and say, excuse me, sir, you're surplus to the gene pool. But, Gone. But surely then, if you want to eat your hamburger in a restaurant, you rask for it without the bun because you do not require the sandwich portion of it because you're not yeah, eating you it with your like hands. It. You might like the bun bit. You might just want to cut it in half. Can you cut it in half with a knife? Or is that not allowed? Well, here's the problem. If you order burgers these days, some of them are, like, as high as your head. Yeah. Or, in your case, as high as your hair. Yeah. That's a good six and a half feet. That's true. So you're not going to get that in your gob in a hurry. Well, there you go. So the knife and fork come in rather hand. Well, you, bad, but you could cut it in half and then eat it with your knife and fork. And sometimes, of course, if you think about the kind of innards of a burger... It's quite possible. It's laden with uh, mayo and uh, sauce and relish and all manner of things. So, you know what it is? You hold it, you bite into it, and before you realise it, half a hundred weight of gunk has fallen out the other end. You alleviate that problem by eating with a knife and fork. Two things. Go on. The perishers. Remember the perishers? Yes. Ketchup sandwich cartoon yeah. strip. Okay. You don't, you know, you know, you're looking at me like I'm an arsehole. <laughs> ketchup sandwich. Right. The, well, that was the thing. Wellington would have one slice of bread with like two inches of ketchup and then yeah. another slice of bread and he would eat it and the ketchup would fly out the other end. So the other person, whatever the other perishers were called, would end up covered in ketchup. It was an hilarious gag. 
in the pages of the Daily Mirror back in the day. The other thing to say when you talk about um, knives and forks is, as you know, I've been around a bit. Not like that. Well. But uh, I remember being in Kyoto in a Japanese beer hall and I witnessed a man eating a pizza with chopsticks. With chopsticks? With chopsticks. Well, there's another thing, you see. Brits using chopsticks at all. You don't need to use a chopstick. You're probably rubbish at it. Absolutely no need for it. I'm quite good, actually. But what? Why? Just get a knife and fork. You don't need really need a chopstick. It's all part of the authentic experience. Now, but you see, now of having the oriental dish. No, you're only saying Not that because really. you're no you're no good at them. You can do it. I can eat. I can eat with my feet if I have to. I'd like to see that. Andre, get me a bag of watsits. Actually, make that quavers, and he could curl his little toe around them. So how's it going? <coughs> Swallowed my big toe. <coughs> Uh, moving on from Perry, the cantankerous bastard. Uh, have you seen Vicious? How are two of our greatest actors, like Jacoby and McKellen, managed to churn out such a cluster f- of unfunny shit? I saw a little bit of the first episode. They, for somehow, they recommissioned it. It was pretty much universally panned and slaughtered. And somebody thought, you know, what a great idea. Two old gay guys living together by the seaside, I'm assuming. Uh, in retirement, uh, what could possibly go wrong? Well, what could go wrong is it's not funny. Yeah. Which is a pretty bad steer on a comedy. It's not like it's not got the talent. It's got all the talent. Uh, Francis de la Tour, I think, is. Do, also... do your Francis de la Tour face. Go on. Ah, oh, it's marvellous. Not bad, is it? No. Let's put my trousers back on. You've got a bit of quaver at the side of your beak, though. Not quaver. <laughs> I, I mean, where I, is this going? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've only ever seen maybe a few minutes of Vicious, and it was enough to make me not want to see any more of Vicious again. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, McKellen's good. He's just made a film about the XFM breakfast show host, hasn't he? Mr. Holmes, which um, uh, I think's released uh, was last week. <sighs> I don't know where that starts. It's going to be great seeing him there in the studio, spinning the discs. Here's the Foo Fighters, pre-leg break. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, don't mind. I had tickets to that as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah. For the Friday show. Did you see the break? Well, the no. X-ray, a picture of the X-ray. Yeah, I saw, I saw a picture of the X-ray. Substantial break. It's a uh, Weber B fracture, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, because I asked a friend of mine who's a doctor about it to say, is he going to end up doing this gig? And he went, mm, probably not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was nice. So it was me and 80,000, actually 160,000 uh, other people who are slightly annoyed about that. But uh, get well soon, Dave, you fragile bastard. You brittle tit. <laughs> Uh, from Justin, leader of men. Justin writes, Why the f*** do councils put dates on bins? What's the point of that? He's right, you know. Dates. Dates. But it's... not that's in the fruit. Well, no, but you put dates in bins, because dates are disgusting. your bins, yeah. and here's some dates. But, you know, if you walk through your town or city centre, yeah. you'll often see a bin. Justin's yeah. quite right about this. Which will say, like, 1984 I've on it. I've never seen that. Haven't you? No. I, I'm a date on a bin. I, I mean, 1984. Justin actually said this a couple of weeks ago, and I read it, and I thought I'd never noticed this before. But you can walk through a lot of major town and city centres, mm. and there'll be a bin, and it will have a date on it. I don't so know, what, like a plastic bin. Well, let's say um, like a metal stand-up yes. type bin. Okay. And it will have it might have like the council logo on it, but it will also have like uh, 1972. Well, where, where is it written? This date? Actually, on caper. the bin. On the bin, it's usually like embossed. If embossed is the right so word. So one of those black bins that has the little slots in the top? Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere on that. Not necessarily on there, but let's say there's... You know your old school bins? Do you remember school bins? The mesh bins? Uh, no, 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 but you'd have, like, they'd be solid. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm using my hands. Not the so... bins in the classroom. No, no, no. Okay. Exterior bins with a flippy yeah. top or whatever. Yeah. You might see that, bins. that kind of thing, but it would have yeah. a date written on it. Really? I'm assuming this is so archaeologists can, you know, in the future will say, ah, we found some very rare bins, and handily, uh, they've put the date on it so we can say that this is from 1967. Should just put a date on everything just to f*** up future episodes of the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Kev at com. Send me your pictures of dates on bins yeah. from your town or city centre. Oh, that's a great feature, Kev. The oldest one will win a prize. Yeah. And just so I can prove to you, and we'll do an Instagram thing or something, and you can look at bins. Can't I'm amazed you've not noticed that. But then I hadn't until Justin pointed well, I'm going to go looking for them in a moment. Round here. Lisa from the mountaintop. Uh, what did you make of white girl pretending to be black girl? Best story of the year so far. It's fascinating, isn't it? Rachel Doljal, I think her name was. Something like that. Uh, yeah, we did a couple of phone-ins on it because it was just so good. Because not only did it turn out that black girl was white girl, but she was very, very white girl. I yes. Mean, she was archetypally white girl. Yeah. And there was that great moment when the uh, she was kind of doorstepped and the guy said, you know, is this your dad? They had a picture of her dad. Mm. Are you saying, he said, you're saying she, he's, he's North American? And she went, <laughs> in a kind of Chewbacca sense, and, um, and then kind of um, uh, legged it from the interview. She didn't know what to do. And then she said, because the great thing, isn't it, uh, you know, in the States, it's, you know, how you self-identify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's such a, it's an odd story, though. It is. Do you think all, all's right upstairs in, in that department? No, there must be something odd. I mean, she has some black influences in her life. Her other half, her siblings, I think some adopted kids in the family. And she apparently did do some good work for right. the civil rights group she worked for. However, uh, she was not black. She was <laughs> no. All she'd done is spray-tanned her face and had a weave. And that doesn't really count. And as somebody pointed out on Twitter, the only way you can do that is by picking up on classic stereotypes. Yeah. To protect, and that becomes, therefore, fairly offensive. Although some people did wonder whether you could utilise this new interchangeable race thing to your advantage. So if you're in one of those areas where, uh, uh, I don't know, a young black kid is disproportionately likely to be pulled over by the police, could you say when he stops you, you know, don't worry, officer, I self-identify as white. Yep. And he say, on your way, sir, not a problem. I do think this calls into question, though, your uh, membership and your uh, chairmanship, in fact, of the Bromley Association of Chinese Nationals, though. I think you might want to get that looked into. Think so? Yeah. Okay. Sunshine Simon. Simon says, I found an old videotape in my dad's garage. Oh, yeah. Garage or garage? Garage. Yeah, of course. It had an edition of the... Oh, lordy. Of the BBC's teen experiment Def 2 on it, presented by Stephen Fry. Also, an episode of Dance Energy with Normski, who I think used to shag Janet Street Porter. Is that Def 2? Do you remember Def 2? Yes, I remember Def 2. Was that the same time as... Was it called No Limits or something? No Limits, produced by Jonathan King. Produced by Jonathan King... Presented by Jenny Powell. Yes. And a bloke we never saw again. That's right. And I think they were the second lot of presenters they, for I it think as well. they were. And After the first lot that we never saw again. Yeah. Didn't they do a weird thing on the tube as well, changing channels to Channel 4, where they didn't they get a member of the public to become the presenter of the tube? Paulie Yates stayed, Jules Holland went, and I think that they auditioned for a member of the public, and a fella got the job. And I don't know what happened to him either. So who, where, what happened to the man from No Limits and the member of the public who presented the tube? And Normski. And Normski. Where did Normski go? Uh, 
Deft Who I Do, and I think Stephen Fry did present it, because I think they had guest presenters for the first couple of months. Okay. And it showed, it was, they were just doing like continuity links for teenage shows, I think. It was quite a strange program. It, how would you describe it? Um, cheat. There you are. There, there you go. <laughs> There's a description. I like Fry to be involved with lowbrow. I did, I did like Dance Energy, though. Because it was just a bunch of lunatics dancing for three quarters of an hour with Normski shouting in between. I love Great. that. That's exactly what the licence fee is for, yeah. by the way. Janet Street Porter. I'd like to see John Humphreys doing that now. Who wouldn't? Uh, from <laughs> Bob Knob, the odd job bod. <laughs> All right, Bob. Bob Knob says, who would win in a fight between Boris Johnson and George Galloway? Well, that's good. Well, Boris last week, of course, had an altercation with a cab driver, didn't he? he where he, he said, did. f*** off and die. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, fair play in a way, because Boris is the only person. Remember, this is the fellow a couple of years ago got caught hanging by his pants from a zip wire. And yes. his personal poll rating increased as a result. Poll rating. Any, <laughs> any other politician in that sort of compromising position would have found themselves going down the swanee rather, rather quickly. But he seems a little Teflon in that respect. But then, you know, Galloway, although he monumentally was kicked out of Bradford in a uh, what was an absolute humiliation by his uh, Labour opponent. Nonetheless, he does have the kind of bounce-back sort of thing going on as well. And both are fairly seductive talkers. Both could convince you a kind of white wall is black, particularly Galloway. And Does he identify with the wall? I think he self-identifies right. with the wall, okay. the mother of all walls, I think. Who would win in a fight? Maybe Boris. Boris would just... Boris would just throw his bike at him. I'd put a fiver on Boris, because I think he's probably been in a couple of, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, um, bare-chested knuckle fights yep. in his day. You know, oiled yeah, up and... Uh, I think he did a lot of that. Yeah. Oil. Don't think about it too much. Yeah, no, I can't help myself, really. Okay. Move on. We had a bunch of emails, because back when you were doing a couple of other things, and we took a minor hiatus, I did a podcast about uh, the early days of talk radio. Yeah, uh, I heard about that. With, uh, what was his name again? Um, Hanny Mikeson. That's him. Yeah. And, um, How is Hanny? I, I've no idea. I haven't seen him since. Okay. I think he fell in the canal. Yeah. I didn't bother fishing him out after all. But the Hanson podcast, as it says here, we had a whole bunch of really nice feedback. So we're going to do something similar, which we'll discuss in a couple of weeks, which you're going to be a part of all right, okay. as well, along similar sort of lines. Uh, Leighton Castle says, the latest episode was a top listen, Kev. I'll happily have more of the same if Ian can't be arsed. <laughs> uh, Rupesh says, enjoyed the reminisce back to the Creatures days. Can we have Mikey on the podcast permanently? No. no. Uh, from Hatfield <laughs> Scarlet, I enjoyed that. Shame about that clown bursting in at the end. Shut up. And um, Berkshire Piggy says, <laughs> this is my favourite one, <laughs> F*** me. It's like the episode of EastEnders, which was just Dot and Ethel talking about the war. <laughs> yeah, someone thought that was a good idea too at the time. <laughs> well, it was, it was an experience, we'll say that. Uh, and finally, Esther, from Sustainable Stan, was it you two who won the 93 million on the Euro lottery? Yes. Did you? No. You see, they've just changed the lottery, by the way. Have they? Yes. From, I don't know when, very soon, it's going to be not 49 numbers, but 59 numbers. It's always been 1 to 49. Oh, yeah. And it's now going to be 1 to 59. What, to make it more difficult? Well, the chances of winning the jackpot was always 1 in 14 million. Yeah. And it goes up to something like 1 in 50 million or something. Something right. stupid like that. However, if you match just two numbers, you get a free go the following week. You don't get, you know, your tenor. You get a tenor on three. So it's actually mostly all more difficult. 
because they've added 10 more balls, which completely scuppers the normal stats. So yeah, is it about make? They said it's just about a way of making it more interesting. No, it's about a way of making more money. Of course it is. Some, well, one, person, one Brit, of course, won 93 million. That's <sighs> f- insane. Right. Well, after you've spent, say, I don't know, Only so many cars, million. so many suits, so yeah. many holidays, so many whores. And then you've not even got to the drugs. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it was that said that. It was Mike Hansen. It was yeah. Mike Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> He's been hanging around with Gene Simmons, you know. I think he has. Yes, he well, has. Legitimately, he, yeah. he has. Yes, yeah. uh, so, who, who doesn't do drugs? No. Or any of those things? Never. Apart from the ones he does do. I've never bought a lottery ticket. Ever? Ever. Why? Uh, sure, everyone's bought one once. That's no, like saying I've never bought trainers. I don't think I'm, I'm OCD, but I think I do have, like, strange compulsions. In that I know that if I bought it once with those numbers, I would absolutely have to buy it every single Just week. go lucky dip. No, I couldn't do that, though, because then I'd go lucky dip, then I'd have two sets of numbers, and then I'd have lucky dip, and then I'd have three sets of numbers I'd have to buy. And then the next thing you know, I would end up just, like, with shitloads of lottery tickets. But just go lucky dip and don't check the numbers. But you have to check the numbers. <laughs> That's the point. Just live a life wondering. I wonder if I'm a multimillionaire, won 100 million in the lottery. I don't know. I'll go back and check all of these tickets. Yeah, there's a couple of documentaries of people who, uh, you know, there's the uh, famous story of a guy who, uh, they were talking, they were following different lottery winners or different lottery stories. And there is one guy who knows he won it. He just couldn't find the ticket. He couldn't find the ticket. Utterly. Well, as you would imagine, he was a bit pissed off. I think what I would do, though, if I had 93 million, was I'd sort of probably, you know, spend some on all of the things that you mentioned, then wander along to Leicester Square in London with a boatload of cash and um, buy Capital Extra, the dance music station, and put you on breakfast, just for a laugh. I think that would be great, actually. I think you'd be good at it. Yeah. Can imagine you knocking out some bangers. (laughs) Ah! It is back. It's random acts of irrational oh, annoyance. That's very nice. Yes, these are those little things in life. They might be microscopic, however, they do your nut in. Essentially, they don't matter in the grander scale of life, but to you, they kind of do. The little things that piss you off. The random acts of irrational annoyance. Kev, have you got one? I have two. They're both social media related. Firstly, via Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of thing. Comparing anyone to Hitler. I find this really aggravating when yes. someone will say, Katie Hopkins, she's worse than Hitler. Yes. David Cameron, worse than Hitler. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you were going to compile a top five of people who are Hitler standard, let's say, these people, I'm guessing, wouldn't be anywhere near it. No. It's kind of a stupid thing to do because Hitler, it has to be said, I think we can all agree, was not a very nice guy. Bad man. He's not the kind of guy that you would want to sit and have a pint of Doom Bar with. He was actually a little bit of a... Quack, quack, oops. He was responsible for more atrocities than anything else. Katie Hopkins is just a tool. With a loud mouth. Exactly. She's just really annoying. She's not doing anything compared to attempted genocide and all of that kind of thing. So if we could stop with that, that would be really handy. Isn't it a thing on Facebook that the minute you invoke Hitler, you've lost the argument. Isn't there meant to be a kind of an unwritten rule on Facebook? Is there really? Yeah, if you're having an argument, the moment you say... Because it it comes up every now and again. Somebody will... I don't know. You know, we'll we'll be having a debate about immigration, and some people get rather animated because they're not happy with the levels of immigration. And then another caller will call in and say, yes, hello, Um, your last caller. Um, Interesting points you made. I think someone else once had similar points like that. (laughs) His name was Mr Adolf Hitler. Oh, (laughs) 
Can't say that, unfortunately. <laughs> it's true, though. And the other one, which is... I think most of these things can be uh, looked into and, and solved quite easily. Uh, but this is effectively... Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Ian, but did you know that Ricky Gervais once said, I'm a fan of animal rights in all its forms. If you're an animal, you have rights. Never forget what your great-grandfather fought for for humans, but for dogs, cats, pigs and horses too. Speak out against the oppression of other species. And I think that that's... Yeah, You might see that posted. You know, be a picture of Ricky Gervais, and it will have that quote next to his face yeah. beaming. And it will say, Ricky Gervais. I just made that quote up. Did you? Yes. Now, if I stuck that next to a picture of Ricky Gervais and put it up there, it might get retweeted or shared, you know, 47,000 times, mm -hmm. let's say, yeah. despite the fact I just f***ing made it up. All you have to do is take the quote and Google it and see if he really did say it or see if anyone else really did say it. What I'm saying is, quotes by celebrities that people just pass off as being, yes, this person said this when they actually didn't, but they don't bother to check, is firstly lazy, and secondly, I would imagine, a little bit stupid. There were a couple of, um, uh, apparently, uh, s some you kippers, some of the kippers, got very, very excited when they thought they'd stumbled across a quote from Sir Winston Churchill yes. that said something on the lines of, all foreigners are <laughs> and uh, Churchill never, ever said anything like this. But by that stage, they'd already had a party thinking, well, you know, we finally got endorsement from the greatest ever Brit. And, of course, it was just bullshit. Yeah, Not and I, uh, most things just take two seconds on Google to have a look at rather yeah, than making a tool of yourself. That's all you have to do. Adrian Waves says, Opening a document containing an image which is rotated by 90 degrees, you can guarantee whichever <laughs> button I press to rotate the view, it will be the one which takes it all the way round... <laughs> But not the single click I'd hoped for. It's a good point, actually, isn't it? That is a very it good does. point. It never goes as the one you want. Ah, oh, look, it's straight on the image I need. Yeah, it's also it's a bit like when someone sends you a photo yep. uh, to your Apple phone, for example, <laughs> um, and it's the wrong way around. But when you tilt it, it goes it back, goes the, back other the other way. way. What the hell is that? So you have to kind of rest your finger on it and hold it at a 35-degree yeah. angle in order to view it. This comes in from Neil, who says, Random act of irrational annoyance, Amanda Holden's ongoing ability to respire oxygen. Yeah, what does she do? Don't know. Lewis says, uh, people who use words like totes and whatevs. And fam. Yeah. Fam's the new one. Fam. Yeah. For family. No, for famine. Is it? Yes. Stop it. Yeah, it's just to sort of, you, can't you know... You can't make famine cool. <laughs> people Can are, you not really? People are trying yeah, to. Yeah. It's yeah. like having pl for plague. Yeah. Doesn't really work. Lep. For leprosy. <laughs> Lep. <laughs> Donate some money now to help solve Lep. <laughs> Uh, Lewis also says, anyone who ever bought or enjoyed N-dubs or Dappy's music, you are a prize <laughs> <laughs> No argument on that one. Uh, Jane says, bin men who leave bins right near a main road. And also women who push push chairs, walking side by side. So to pass them means walking on the road, and that, of course, often involves bumping into a bin. So. <laughs> yes, it does. The bin men, though, are probably transfixed by the fact that they'll be out in the town centre, yep. and they'll wonder why the council who put dates on the bins. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. KevAtWonsaWord.com Rachel Cartwright says, People who sit on the outside seats on buses... Outside seats? <laughs> what, like on the roof or something? <laughs> roof seats? <laughs> Attached to the wheel arch. <laughs> yeah. Where is this outside seat? Uh, who refuse to move even when 
The, oh, I know. The, the, the outside seat, the aisle seat. Oh, I see. The aisle seat. Right. People who sit in aisle seats on buses who refuse to move, even when there are people stood up. Uh, when you hold a door open for someone and they just walk straight through with no acknowledgement. That is... Uh, just rude. Very, yeah, it's very common. No manners there. Uh, Andy Fairclough says, people who drive around a supermarket car park looking for that space right close to the entrance, don't they realise there are plenty of spaces 29 seconds walk away? <laughs> yes. Fair dues. Makes me mad, he says. Uh, Nick Entwistle, uh, I like this. Uh, people who put the shopping basket on the floor when queuing and then move it forward just by kicking it. In a supermarket, that's probably not the right thing to do. At an airport, I think that's fine. Because if you've got, like, a bag or whatever... Rather than picking it up and moving it, if you're in a queue to check in, for example, then kicking it along is probably all right, I would say. But if you've got, like, a, you know, basket full of a dozen eggs... Sometimes you start to do a text thing or something, don't you? So you just, you know... Yeah, exactly. ...move it along gradually. I might disqualify that one for airports. Airports? Yeah. And what I'm just... I'm saying... Who does their f***ing shopping in an airport? No, no! Just before I go to Spain, I'm just going to do my groceries. Listen to me. It what might I, add to the weight a little bit, yeah, but uh, saying, I'm sure we'll get through okay. What I was saying was, <laughs> it's in a supermarket, I get it, but kicking things along in an airport is probably all right. Yes, I see what you mean. I'm not saying people go shopping in their airports. Oh, we had a great time at the departure lounge. <laughs> Where'd you go? Waitrose. Yeah, I can imagine. M&S. Well, Tesco. Struggling through customs with a bag of panty liners. I don't think so. <laughs> Cal says, people who say, sorry, I didn't catch your name, that's because I didn't throw it. <laughs> Fair dues. Or when it's really obvious that um, someone can't remember your name, so they just call you mate or oh, yeah. love. They do indeed, love. It happens every time. And while I'm here, don't forget to donate a fiver to Lep. <laughs> Everybody should be giving their money by now. It's about time, too. <laughs> and this comes from David, who says the shade of red that the BBC use in their news studio is the same shade of red that often some of the women presenters wear for their dresses. Oh, which means you get the illusion of just a head bouncing around. <laughs> I haven't seen strange. them wear red. I thought they had people checking that kind of thing. That, that does sometimes happen. You think you're watching the Blue Man Group, and it's actually the news at ten. <laughs> it's a bit confusing at there, times. There was that picture of uh, Sam Cam, wasn't there, standing outside number ten with a dress on, uh, and it had, which had a black yes, sort of that's midriff right. area, and it did look so like she, she was she'd been Copperfield. <laughs> it looked like she was disappearing. Yep. Uh, this is from Nicholas, who says, "People who whistle. What is the point of whistling? What pleasure can you possibly get from whistling? It certainly isn't nice to listen to. It just cuts right through your brain." Yeah, I can do that as well, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Are we done? That's it, we're done! We're out of here, Kev. Yeah, credits. Credit stream. And there you go, everybody. If you like what we do and enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to get on to iTunes to rate, review and subscribe. If you're Android-based, the Stitcher app is there as well. That is free. There's iTunes too. Thank you to all of our guests, of which there were none. And <laughs> You can probably <laughs> drop that bit yeah, there. Yeah. We will have guests again, but just not now. Thanks to our sponsors, Mitsubishi Motors in the UK. We're back next week with more of it, Kev. Oh, so oh Abdul's Coffee Shack. Oh, Abdul. Still supplying the coffee in his fourth year of supplying us granules to die for. Thank you, Abdul. Although I'm a bit concerned about it because I had a flat white from his place and I'm sure it had a rat's in it, so I'm not sure what to make well, of that. It's entirely possible. He doesn't like you very much, does yeah. he? Andre, I've got your lunch. 
Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. <laughs> Big Things. Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. Ah!